Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 87. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide and have been a full-time outdoor instructor and guide since founding the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School in 1999. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident in the natural world through our bushcraft and guide training semester programs and multi-week canoe and snowshoe expeditions. You can check out the show notes to all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. If you're interested in learning more about our college-accredited and GI Bill-approved programs, visit the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School on the web at jackmtn.com. And check out our online network and digital learning academy at bushcraftschool.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. Start that over, start that over. Yeah, let's let's roll with it. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it is June 6th, 2020. This is Tim Smith and Christopher Russell in the guide shack at the field school, uh, fully caffeinated. Yep. Uh, and it's been a while since we've done this. Yeah, it has. We uh, run in the spring semester, and it's just been... Go, go, go. This is our guide training semester, which is the first time we've run it in that kind of mentality. And it's just been uh, sunlight to sunset. We're, we're on and working with people. Yeah. And we've done 86 of these published in the past. And we're kind of running low on things to talk about where we're not going to plagiarize previous episodes. Yeah. And we, having worked together for several years, now have literally nothing left to say to each no. other. It's We were talking before we started that even if... Even if the topics from one podcast to another are exactly are you know on polar ends of of the information scale, we still use the same six stories to talk about them. Right, it, they're all we've got. But my plan has always been to not stop making podcasts until we get to a hundred. So maybe kicking and screaming. Maybe I'll learn how to play like the accordion, and that'll be like episode ninety-five. It's just me playing like Lady of Spain on the accordion or something, right? Who knows? Uh, a musical review show and variety hour. Listeners, please write in show. with your opinions about that idea. <laughs> I'd love to hear what you guys think about 45 minutes of Tim playing, or not even playing, learning to play the accordion. So yeah, June 6th, that means that the Guide Shack is a breeding ground for the rare endangered northern mosquito now. There's about 60 million of them in they're here. Just, they're just working so hard to stay around. Yeah. Um, anyway... Let's talk about some current events. We just wrapped up week five of the spring 2020 Wilderness Guide Training Semester, which for most intents and purposes is the same as the Wilderness Bushcraft Semester. We're working on differentiating the two. Uh, and after this year's experience, I think we have a much better roadmap of how we're going to do that in the future and what that will entail. Uh, but so far, so good. We started weeks late three weeks late three weeks as late. a result of the covid uh, virus which if you haven't heard of you're probably in a cave right now and i'm, I'm probably aren't listening to this yeah curious how you get your your <laughs> wi-fi and podcasts the tinfoil hat it comes right in uh but you know even may 4th when we started there were still three feet of snow on the road and we got vehicles stuck and yeah, yeah welcome to Arista county we have we have a tradition up here where we show up in the spring and there's still snow on the road and tim's convinced he can just gun the truck and get through the snow and then myself and 
whoever, whichever students are around, dig them out. 12 times, <laughs> right? And I'm 0 for 12, but I'm hopeful 2021's going to be my year. Try, try again. Uh, so we've been really doing a lot of polling and paddling canoes. Yesterday we were out running the rip on the Big Machias River, one of our local rivers, and just an awesome, uh, awesome river. And the rip right at the bottom, right as you come into town, is uh, it's... You know, right now it's pretty shallow. The water levels drop dramatically, so it's just about ideal for pulling. There's barely enough water to. You couldn't push enough water with a paddle to control right. your boat. And it's a nice little. It's a nice little section where there's um, various levels of uh, speed on the water and hazards in the water, like rocks and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's a nice little training ground. Yeah, for sure. And we used it as a uh, sort of a gauge for us to watch our students as they're pulling. Um, we're leaving Monday morning to go out on a big two-week Allagash trip, and that's big remote water, and we want to have a good sense of where people's skill levels are at. Yeah, the, the beauty of the Allagash, and that's a fantastic trip. If you've never been, put it on your bucket list. Uh, the beauty of it is well-maintained campsites, you know, beautiful water, good fishing this time of year. The downside, or the potential downside, is the trip, if you do the all the headwater lakes, you've got like 30-something miles of headwater lakes, and then you there's a big dam, Churchill Dam, and then the rest of it is you know, mixed rivers and lakes, but mostly river from there on down. But the most challenging two miles of the 99-mile Allagash Wilderness Waterway are the first two river miles. So there's no like sort of easing into it and you know building up to this big crescendo at the end and that's the opposite the saint john river trip another awesome trip the hardest part of the river trip is the final three miles of this 105 mile thing so you can take people who are pretty well relative novices and kind of whip them into shape over the course of the trip and and maybe run the big rapids at the end of the saint john which are called big rapids i'm not using that as a descriptive term but the Allagash is the exact exact opposite, that the hardest water is right at the beginning, right? So it's uh, it's challenging. So we're trying to get a gauge on where people are at. You know, we do a lot of instructional stuff during the course, and then we encourage people to go out in groups of no fewer than two boats uh, on the local water here and practice, you know, get some miles in. Uh, so the last day, the last official class day before the trip, we spent two hours down on the rips and uh, got a really good idea of where everybody's at. Yeah, it was a, it's a super helpful thing from a guide and an instructor perspective is to, you know, everybody will say they're checked out, but to actually see it gives you a much a much better sense of how to how to make decisions going forward. I'm mentally and emotionally checked out. I'm aware. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we're headed out on the on the two-week uh, Allagash trip, and then we come back, and we've got two final weeks in the course, um, but so far, so great. You know, great group of people, really enjoying having them, and we have a big field school development that, that's taken place this spring, is we finally got our new field in Moose Vegas stumped and leveled, and the white clover is planted, and it's coming in. This Saturday morning we're sitting down to record this is a nice kind of gentle rainy day. So that ought to really boost the uh the word you the term you've been using is it's gonna go bananas. It's gonna go bananas. It's gonna go bananas. And if we were on a banana Which is plantation, weird because you planted clover, but somehow it's gonna be bananas. Well, I once lived on a banana plantation in Central America and oh. I always said that the bananas are gonna go clover. 
Huh. That's yeah. an interesting. It's an interesting. I wonder what the etymology of that phrase is. Where? How did that start? Or is that know. just the ramblings of? I'm just making it up as you I being go. Emotionally and physically. This is the out. coffee talking. This is uh, me talking. <laughs> I am the coffee, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so we're super excited about that. Um, you know, if you ever have a piece of ground of your own and you sort of walk around, look about, look at it constantly and you think about what you're going to do with it long term. We started clearing that, I think, three years ago. Yeah. Um, it's just about an acre. But, you know, we did the whole thing with axes and then now it's cleared and stumped and leveled. So there'll be a vegetable garden up there. We're going to have outdoor, you know, we're going to replicate everything that's in the main camp. But so outdoor showers, clotheslines, uh, primitive laundry setup. Um it's been fun because every every opportunity Tim's had during during the day to day instruction, I'll, I'll kind of look around and he'll be gone, and in my head I know he's up the hill, sort of puttering around, looking at it and imagining what it could be. He's now he's sort of becoming a an old timey land baron. He's just walking around, watching stuff grow. Yes, with my giant white hat. Yeah, you are a Kentucky Colonel. I am a Kentucky Colonel. Uh, so the colonel is up perusing the grounds. Hands behind his back, staring yeah. down at the ground. Uh, I need around. a riding crop or something. Some no, sort of prop. You, don't, you don't need another prop. <laughs> There's so many props. Uh, but yeah, we're going to plant, uh, in addition to having it as a field where people can camp, we're going to plant some apple trees, a bunch of perennials. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're super excited about that. Yeah, 100%. It makes, and just even the bugs being <laughs> cut down by it being a big open area with nowhere for them to land is going to be... A game changer. Yeah. It, well, it already is. It already right? is. Um, so, yeah, we've got that going for us, which is super nice and exciting. Last bit of current events. Open spots on upcoming programs. Uh, we don't have many left for this year. So, I think we've got... Uh, I think we have one spot left on the Summer Woodsman. I think we have one spot left on the two-week Riverman course, which will also be a full-length trip on the Allagash, a 99-mile... Canoe trip from from Chamberlain Bridge to Allagash Village. Uh, one spot left on that, and we have got uh, I think one spot left on the fall semester. Yeah, one or two. I think we had two signups yesterday, oh, so I think wow, we're down to that. one. Yeah, one spot left on the fall semester. So the next kind of really open program we've got on the on the uh, I want to say catalog on the schedule right now is uh, the Autumn Woodsman. So if you're curious about the Autumn Woodsman, how is it different than the Summer Woodsman? In, in a word, cold. So we run the Autumn Woodsman uh, early November. And the point of the Autumn Woodsman is to have a cold weather course without a ton of snow. So you get to learn all of the lessons about cold weather, uh, things like that. But you don't have to navigate like four foot deep snow drifts. And usually we can still drive in the road, so it's logistically pretty simple. So if you're interested in, you know, how to get by, how to thrive in the cold uh, weather, that might be a good one for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So our main topic today. Yeah, big stuff. It's is exciting. a new program. Well, this is coming in 2020, right? This yeah. isn't, I was going to say coming in 2021, but. No, nope, uh, 2020. The plan is to start it in the fall once we wrap up the fall semester. <clears throat> So tell me about your big idea. Yeah. So we, for a while, have um, sort of been scheming, as we were apt to do, about a... It's, it's really hard for most people to take nine weeks out of their lives to come up here and um, do a long semester. And so we've been... Over the winter, we experiment a lot with the online learning course, and that was sort of the last piece of what we wanted to do, which is to have 
a long-term, um, we've been referring to it as sort of a National Guard-style program where people come out for one weekend a month um, and then over 11 months and then culminate with two weeks up here at our field school, one week in on the field school property and another week out on out on a trip. Um, yeah, so the National Guard is, is about like the... the the, how we were referring to that as the right. National Guard program has nothing to do with the National no, Guard. not at all. It was just the way that it kind of fits into the calendar. Right. One weekend a month and two weeks at the end of the year in yeah. the summer. Yeah, so we want this to be 10 to 11 months. Um, and it'll start in the fall and end in the summer up here. Um, hopefully towards the later summer when the bugs have kind of died down. It'll start in the fall, not up here. No, it'll start in the fall down in. So this is, this is the first of these programs that we're going to... Um, sort of uses a template for journeymen that come through our program. And the idea behind this is that we've talked for a long time about all knowledge being local. Um, and we want, to, we want to prove it. We want journeymen, wherever they are, to be able to run a program like this and using the systems that they've learned up here, educate people about the place they're in. We're referring to this as the Coming Home to the Forest course. It's uh, and the idea behind it is that it's local knowledge, and then you get to apply that knowledge in an on-trail experience. Yeah. So, in a nutshell, um, just to sort of summarize. Yeah, that was a little rambly. <laughs> you just need more coffee. Yeah, that's the answer. So, so Christopher spends his winters uh, with his beautiful lady friend in Brattleboro, Talk Vermont. About Sable. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna get in trouble for that. <laughs> Christopher spends his winters uh, in Brattleboro, Vermont, southeastern Vermont. So the idea would be that he would run a series of weekend in-person classes there, supplemented with distance learning via online stuff throughout the other three or four weeks of the month. And then at the end of that, uh, and that'll be seasonally oriented, seasonally appropriate, and locally based. So, you know, maybe the plants there are significantly different than here. The mammals, the tracking, the weather, all those things will be specific to that place. Right. And then finish with a two-week field experience, um, you know, some of it at the field school, some of it out on the trail, where it's sort of the culminating experience that locks everything in. Yeah, and, you know, we keep, like I said before, it's, this is all about it being local and the the advantage of this being long term is like you said you get to see the place you're in in every season and if students that have come here can absolutely go come up to one of our long term semesters can absolutely go home and learn um learn all that local knowledge on their own but it's it's much easier to do when you have somebody that's sort of guiding you through it and this this system will allow for that and it follows along with our kind of tried and true method that real growth takes time to happen. Right. So the idea of like learning a whole, if you did a one weekend, one off course, there's only so much you can cover that, you know, when you work with someone long term, you have that kind of mentorship thing going on where the instructor knows where the student's at, kind of has a good feeling as to where the student's going and how best to get them there. So over the course of a year, there's an opportunity for incredible growth, you right. know, without the, without the hardships of having to travel, to leave home, to take a leave of absence from your work, to leave your family. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the impetus for this. And, and we're, I'm really excited about it. It's something I've thought about that is definitely absent from our catalog of courses for some time, right? Like, like Christopher said, it takes, it, uh, not everybody can get away for nine weeks. Not everybody can come up to northern Maine. You know, we, we have families, we have loved ones, we have other commitments. Um, so I'm excited that this will make 
our programs and programming available to a much larger group of people. Yeah, and you know, pairing the local stuff with so like you said, this is a long term thing and um, if it just sort of fizzled out at the end and didn't have this big culminating experience, which is coming up to the field school, I don't think it would be cemented as well. So having the access to the local knowledge and then the ability to come up here and see that all this stuff you've been doing one weekend a month for the last 11 or 11 months or so translates perfectly into being in a totally different environment with the skills, you know, and, um, and you can take it on trail in a really remote area and it still just works. I think that's going to be a super powerful aspect of this is that, that opportunity. Um, it just sort of solidifies it all for you and gives, gives students that take this course a big boost of confidence. Definitely. Which is great. And the other thing is there's hardly anybody in Northern Maine. Yeah. (laughs) Right. There's nobody around. It's just very sparsely populated. Yeah. So taking this, uh, this model, this educational model down to an area where there are a lot more people, uh, you know, opens it up, makes it available to a much broader cross section of people. I mean, you know, people ask us who takes your semester course and it's, it's usually people in transition. Yeah. We have a lot of people transitioning out of college, transitioning out of the military, transitioning between jobs, you know, maybe even getting out of like a long-term relationship and needing, right. needing to hit the reset button. Um, but the ability to, to again, take nine weeks and disappear into the it's forest, hard. it's hard. Yeah. The other side of that is that um, it's sort of in keeping with that local thing we keep talking about is that we don't, we want everybody to have access to this. The, the sort of subtitle for this program is the Freelitz Leave Project. The, we're gonna, the what? Freelitz Leave, which is a uh, Scandinavian term that we've talked about before on the podcast, but not totally in depth. Um, but it's sort of the idea that um, it's the antithesis of what I would argue the modern bushcraft industry has become. The, the idea behind it is that you don't need you don't need really anything other than the ability to walk through the woods to uh, to take part and, as we like to say, participate in the natural world. Um, and I think that this this sort of framing where it's not where it's a slow burn course where people slowly learn more about what's around them is going to is going to greatly increase the the sort of the. It's, it'll become part of like your culture that you're living every month because you're coming and being around other people that are just enjoying being in nature. And, you know, the best example of fruit sleeve I've ever heard was someone talking about it in the way that they don't, it doesn't need to be uh, high octane. You don't need big, you know, uh, fuel burning engines to go do it. It can be as simple as once a week, taking a walk in the woods with your family. That's for let's leave. And that's what I want these courses to be. I don't want them to be, um, you know, about being quote unquote hard or being a survival expert of the lone wolf. I want this to be a community based thing. Um, that's just about enjoying and understanding the natural world and starting to see better and better how you fit into it. Um, and we're going to do the next podcast we have planned is a whole podcast about Freelitz Sleeve because it's a it's a concept that is, I think, absent from American outdoor, the, the American outdoors mentality for the most part. And we're going to my plan moving forward with these courses is to really kind of bring that sense of interacting with the natural world to at least New England and then hopefully more and more will take over the world. So it's is it cool when you're running your course if I come over and sell my like eight foot long survival knives out of the back of my jacked up four by four nine thousand horsepower truck? No. 
No, no, no. Because we want this to be, again, like I said, we want this to be about, uh, you know, we have this term up here, which is process, not product. And it's sort of the same idea as that, is that if you walk into the woods for a day hike, you don't need to bring a bunch of stuff. You just, and that walk will be good enough on its own and it will be better and better the more you learn about what's happening around you while you walk through the woods. Yeah, uh, I was obviously joking, yeah. like 900 horsepower. It's got to be at least like 1,100 horsepower. Um. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, a critique of sort of the American interaction with nature. We're always out trying to conquer things right. and whatever. And other parts of the world have, just have a much different, and other cultures have a much yeah. different interaction with the natural world. And I think that's awesome. You know, in America, it's, it's so much about the... The uh, the gear and the knife right. and look at this knife how awesome it is and it'll it'll cut you and, yeah and well I just I so with the school of the forest podcast I interviewed our good friend Rafe Bowman and he had a great uh, phrase that he used which is that bushcraft has become more about show and sell yeah um, which is which is exactly it right it's if you don't have this knife you're gonna die and but the reality is uh, you know if you've got a sharp pocket knife and you know what to do with it. You should be okay. Or if you don't have anything, you can still enjoy walking around in the woods. Well, the reality is we're all going to die. It's the last thing you're going to do. Eventually. <laughs> right. But yeah, the idea of, uh, and I think he was talking about it as well, the idea of like gear shaming and yeah, knowledge shaming. Exactly. Like you got to have the right stuff. You got to have the right look to kind of participate. And this is the antithesis to that. Like no one cares. In, in reality, okay, here's a news flash for everybody out there. No one really cares what knife you have no one no. cares what gear you have it just doesn't matter you know it's from the experiential perspective right. it matters when people get in these ridiculous competitions and egos get involved but in reality like who cares yeah i mean you know if you've got to have that perfect uh custom made blade with a certain steel type and you know here's another news flash like 99 percent of human history we use stone tools yeah <laughs> so so, you know, if we go back to the Paleolithic, nobody had the fancy trousers or the fancy knife or the fancy whatever. And in 2020, I'm going to make the bold statement here. I don't care what kind of knife you have. I do care what you can accomplish with the with the gear. Right. So, like, the gear itself, which has become the focus in so much of bushcraft land these days, it's just, it's just a distraction, right? Like... It's people wanting to buy into the club, you know, yes. like, Hey, look at me. I'm part of the club. I look like everybody else. I've got the right gear, the right stuff. And yeah, nobody, I don't care. No, I'm sure I, some people do. I would care. say that our approach is to say that, you know, not to be foofy about it, but whatever stuff you've got, welcome to the club. Yeah. You know, like this is, we love this stuff and we love it because we live in it all the time and we get to participate in it. And this is our way to say yeah come come hang out come enjoy the woods like i mean that's the reason we titled the course what we did which is coming home to the forest we lived in the woods for a lot longer than we lived in high rises or in suburban areas and it doesn't it doesn't after years of doing this i've seen that it doesn't take long for people to just fall right back into sort of uh my my old boxing coach had this phrase which which was let the ancient senses do their work and that's what happens up here they just you're we are suited to this and it takes a little bit of skill set to get there. But once you have it, it's so comfortable. And Amen that's, what, that's that. what we want to bring people muscular. It's in our muscular DNA, right? Yeah, it's exactly. something deep, deep exactly. inside of you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it's, so those programs, it, it, it's not uh, sort of 
one-upsman competition about who's got the best gear no. or yeah that's perfect yeah and and again it'll be smallish groups up to 10 people and i think that's a good number for this where it becomes a little community over these 11 months and then you all get to come up here and so okay so i live in uh what's brattleboro vermont's what like three hours from new york city or something yeah, give or take so if i live in new york city how does it work i, I sign up i find you online i sign up and yeah. I come up, what do I rent a hotel? What nope. do I? So the way this will work is that I live on a little homestead, as you mentioned, with my uh, my partner. And you'll come up and camp on on our property for a weekend. And most of them will be regular weekends. But every once in a while, especially in the winter, we'll have long weekends where it's three days. And you'll get to come up and Three stay. days, two nights? Yep. Three days, two nights. Stay in a wall tent. Experience experience the winter the way it, the way it should be rather than just suffering through it. Um and you'll come up for that weekend and participate in uh, the educational aspect, which is the skills-based stuff. And then you'll go home and over the next three weeks work on um, work on stuff at home, which is maybe it's the nature studies. And then we'll assign specific animals that we know you'll get to interact with. And you come up and then you get to pair this uh, book knowledge with a real-world experience or something like that. And at, over 11 months, you'll build up a skill set that, um, will allow you to come up here and live well on trail. Awesome. So during those three weeks, you're going to be interacting with people via the bushcraftschool.com online network. Yes. Yeah. Have like, so it'll be sort of a hybrid between a distance learning and an in-person learning for the sake of commute time. Right. So yeah. that you don't have to. So the time that you're together with people FaceTime, if you will, not the Apple thing, but actually face to face interaction, <laughs> you will, uh, be working on stuff, and then when people go home, they're going to work on things independently um, through the online network to supplement and complement what you do when you're together. Right, and often it'll it'll this so the the I resisted the online stuff for a while because I think a lot of these skills can't be learned that way. But I think if um, you know we saw at this course when people show up having already done our weather course, they're ready to hit the ground running once they're here and ready. And I think that that's uh, I think that that's going to work completely in our favor where people have seen what they're going to be working on on the weekend they come up and they kind of already have a, an idea of what's going on and we can jump right into getting like the physical knowledge of it to go with the mental knowledge yeah yeah and everybody out there who's gone through the pandemic recently you know if you have kids they were probably all doing zoom classes from home you maybe you were working from home you know if you have a job and so, you know, the writing sort of on the wall that the future of education and even this form of outdoor education is going to be a hybrid between online and offline. Yeah. So we're just trying to get ahead of that curve. Um, and again, this will be the template for all the people that come and achieve our journeyman certification right. that they will have the option to, <clears throat> excuse me, run a similar type of program where they're from. Which is so cool to me because we, you know, we have students come from to the semesters from all over the world. Um, and the idea of them taking these systems that they've learned and they've really come to make their own while they're up here and apply it to whatever ecosystem they're in is so fascinating to me because it not only um, opens it up to the people in their community to come and learn, but it means that, you know, I love the idea of being able to get in touch with another journeyman that lives in the jungle and ask them questions about the jungle, which scares me. The jungle is terrifying. Like we think our bugs are bad, but I'd love to see how they solve those problems here. And that, that all that kind of stuff is 
again, we've talked a lot about how we want this to be a community-based thing. And so there's like the, the ground level community, which is the people that are at these courses. And there's that bigger community, which is our, our alumni who have come through here. We know they're checked out and we know that um, whatever they're applying to wherever there are, we can, we can, you know, sort of take as an honest, an honest answer about where they are and how they're interacting with it. And that's so cool to me rather than just reading a book by someone I've never met. Yeah, for sure. So that's kind of what's coming down the pike, right? Yeah. To look online for details on this. So what's yeah. the what's the course called again? Uh, coming home to the forest, um, the Freelance Leave Project. Nice. Yeah, and we'll like I said before, we'll have another episode once we get back from the Allagash, going really deeply into what Freelance Leave is, and more importantly, what it's not, because um, we want we want people to really come into come into these courses with that mindset. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I guess I should probably start packing for the trip. Mm-hmm. 12 days on the trail. Got to make a menu. Got to make sure that I don't have any bug uh, holes in my tent or my bug net. And, yep. I'm going to um, bring a smudge pot and that $900 knife you were talking about. And I'll, be go- all I'll be good. I need. That's all I need. I My knife is hollow handled, so the handle is a smudge pot. I swing it around and I keep the bugs away with the handle. How do you not burn your hands on it? It's It's on a chain. <laughs> just a knife on the chain yeah. it's like a medieval kind of siege weapon flail oh my god right. you're a medieval siege weapon <laughs> uh, well thank yeah. you very much for spending a little bit of time with us today and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be doing these a little more regularly again the goal <clears throat> the goal is before we completely throw in the towel and hang up the old audio recorder on the shelf to never be taken down again is to get to a hundred of these. You're coming up on it. So, uh, yeah, we're getting closer. Getting closer. Inching closer. Um, Centimetering. Yeah. So, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a review or share it with somebody. Um, and definitely don't, uh, don't miss out. Christopher is creating his own podcast now give yourself a quick little plug for that yeah this so the school of the forest podcast is uh is a podcast that i'm running that's geez that's that's really good that's really good wow so the school of the forest podcast is centered (laughs) around the idea that um essentially i didn't want to talk to anyone about knives anymore so what i've been doing with it is bringing on um ecologists and hunters and uh other outdoor educators that don't necessarily work in the bushcraft or guide industry. They're educating about wildlife and stuff like that. And it's been, it's been really fun to sit and chat with some of these people. I just recorded one that'll go live Wednesday about, uh, with a guy who's starting, trying to start a wolf sanctuary in Southern Vermont, which is, yeah, stuff like that is awesome to me. So it's, it's more ecology based than it is skills based, which has been great. Yeah, and it's on all the yep the Apple, usual iTunes, of, Apple and iTunes are the same thing. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. iTunes doesn't exist anymore. It's Apple Podcasts. Ah, okay, it's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, um, or just at schooloftheforest.com. You can find a link to the. To that the was the veteran it. podcaster schooling the rookie podcaster with it doesn't even exist yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One day I'll summit it. Yeah, you can find it anywhere. Yep. Give it a listen. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, cool. Well, that's all I got. Yep. Time to go do something. I clearly don't have anything else because I don't even know what podcasts are real anymore. Right on. Yeah. And I think the Google podcast thing quit and something Google Play Store is over. Yeah. Yeah. 
A lot of tumultuousness in the podcasting realm these days. It's like the War of the Roses, but with audio files. So, you know what I'm going to do? That's a history reference for all you people. <clears throat> I'm going to take my, my special eight-foot knife with the smudge pot handle, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go save the podcast princess. All right. We're going to do that right after we quit talking, because okay. I think it's about time. Thank you. Have a great day. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.